Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony Corona. Every week here on ACB Media One, that's American Council of the Blind, Media One, and soon after on all your major podcast catchers. Each week, we'll dive into the news, human interest, and discussions about the issues surrounding all of us in and out of the American Council of the Blind community. And welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Corona. I am here as always with my executive producer partner in crime, Byron Lee. Hello, hello, hello. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a busy week all around, huh? Oh, you bet. Uh, It has been kind of a roller coaster of a week for sure. Yeah. And we want to say thanks to Sheila Young, who is serving as host today. Hey, Sheila. Good afternoon, everybody. All right. Well, as you know, I always have a couple of announcements at the top of the show. I want to remind everybody out there, if you haven't filled out your survey, your convention survey, please do so. All of our feedback is welcome and needed and warranted. So uh, the survey is all over the place. If you check your lists, you can find a link to it, or you can call the Minneapolis office and set up an appointment to do it over the phone if you so choose or need to. Um, The deadline closes tomorrow for the mentoring program, MAPS. So if you want to be a mentor or if you are a mentee who thinks that you could find some leadership uh, tips and tricks and and some really great uh, mentorship uh, programs that Kenneth and the team are setting up, please find that link on the ACB list as well. And uh, like I said, the deadline closes tomorrow. The process to apply is not that bad at all. I did it myself. So everybody go check that out. Next week here on Sunday edition, Kenneth will be here with some members of the DKM first, the DKM and JP Morgan committee. Um, and we're going to be having this year's class, of course, as well as representatives from the last couple of classes to talk about their experience and, um, you know, go from there. So Byron, any announcements from your end? Um, not a whole lot. Uh, this week on the fun zone, which is my weekly comedy music show, uh, I'm going to be doing, uh, funny songs from serious artists. So, you know, mainstream artists, if they ever did anything kind of funny, uh, I'll be playing that this week. So you can check it out every Sunday night from seven until 9 PM central at byronlee.com. Well, I'll give you a cute little suggestion that you can look up after the uh, show is over. It's I'm Going Bananas off of the Dick Tracy soundtrack by Madonna. It's a really funny cute song. Ooh, okay, cool. (laughs) Thank you for the uh, suggestion. You're welcome. All right, one more announcement. And I don't typically cross-promote my projects on Sunday edition, but we're coming to the end of In the Land of Aru, which is that The Car Serum fan cast. Um, We had moved a couple of weeks ago from um, main uh, ACB Media 5 to the old Treasure Trove, which is ACB Media 3. 
We have a couple of episodes left, but if you go to carcerumtheseries.com slash in the land of Aru, you can listen to all of the episodes. Every single episode comes with either one or two of the production staff, voice actors, audio engineers, et cetera. And we kind of dive into what it's like to produce a podcast like that, how to break into the business. And this coming Wednesday night's episode is a really, really good one. We have... Um, we have his name is Tyler, and he is a top video game designer. Because of uh, uh, you know non disclosure agreements, I can't really tell you exactly what project he worked on. But if you have a teenager who is currently playing a video game, um, he's probably playing one that Tyler uh, you know has directed and, and helped to produce. So between that and and all of his vo- uh, voiceover work, he gives us some really great insights on how to break into the business. So that's Wednesday night on ACB Media 3. I hope you check it out. I am really, really happy to be speaking with the two folks that we have lined up for today. Cecily will be with us in the second hour. But please let me welcome to the show for the first time. I am sure you have all come across his postings. I am sure you have all opened up many of his postings because he floods us with incredible information on a daily basis. He is also this year's award-winning Uh, Award winner for the James R. Olson Distinguished Service Award. He got that right after me, actually, at (laughs) the banquet at convention this year. David, 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 welcome to Sunday Edition. Thanks for having me. And and hey, before we get into everything, I just wanted to suggest for for Byron, for your funny songs by serious artists, um, have you thought of uh, Laughing Gnome by by? David oh, Bowie. Oh, yes. Oh my <clears throat> gosh, that is such a good one. Okay, I'm I'm taking notes. <laughs> yes. All right. And uh, you know what? I'm sorry, David. We'll get to you in one second as as represent- representation of the LGBTQ community. I'm also going to suggest Byron, and I think I have the title right. It's Willie Nelson Cowboys who are secretly in love with other cowboys. Yes. That's a pretty great yes. funny song too. Cowboys who are secretly uh fond of each other. Yes. That is yes. a good one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you guys are great. All right. Well, you know what? If you're out there listening, you can find the Sunday edition link on all of the ACB uh email list, but you can also find it on the Facebook ACB community page. Please join us. If you've got a suggestion for Byron, we're more than willing to take that as well. And we'll be opening it up for questions for both David and Cecily. So come join us live here in the Zoom room. David, like I said, <laughs> welcome to Sunday edition. Thank you. I usually I usually start off by by asking our guests to kind of tell us a little bit about themselves, where they grew up, you know, their progression in life when they first found ACB. So Take us through journey from little David to David and NACB. Oh, wow. Okay, sure. So, yeah, I did, um, a- as I wrote in, in my kind of autobiographical notes for your show, I grew up in Philadelphia and um, I don't live there anymore, but uh, my heart is always with Philly. It's some of the coolest places and some of the coolest food, in my opinion. Um, can't get a decent hoagie or, or cheesesteak outside of Philly. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> with a few exceptions, actually. Um, I heard of a great place in Los Angeles where they have Philly cheesesteaks. Anyway, I'm digressing. Um, so I was born and raised in Philly and lived there until 1991. Um, 
and uh, have one brother who's also blind. Um, uh, my blindness is due to uh, LCA, which is uh, Lieber's congenital amaurosis. Mm. Um, it was pretty rare, uh, as I was told when I was younger. But as I've gotten older, I'm meeting more and more people who've been diagnosed with that. And um, so I've I've always been into any thing that was sort of techie or gadgety or anything like that. Um, but I didn't have any aspirations about getting into the field. I, for most of my teenage and young adult life, wanted to, to do radio, actually. And um, not just music radio, but, but talk radio, similar to the kind of shows that you and Paul Edwards did. Uh, I was telling you um, when we were talking um, off the air that whereas a lot of kids grew up with um, musicians as their heroes, and, and I, I did too later in life, but for me, my heroes were radio talk shows, um, both locally in the Philly area, as well as Larry King, who I still say is one of the best interviewers yeah. on, on national radio. And um, so that was kind of what I wanted to do. Um, and But I've always had an, an interest in technology and music and kind of dabbled in, in music and learned the piano and did songwriting and singing. And there was a time I wanted to, to get into that somewhat professionally. But radio was always my first love at the time. Um, but in 19... 89, I bought a Braille and Speak. And I had heard about it a year earlier from a guy who ironically would wind up working for Blazy Engineering after I left Blazy Engineering, which is just kind of funny how those things work out. Um, and some of you may know him or know of him, and I, I, I don't think he'll mind mentioning his name. His name is Jeff Ermold. And um, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's been involved in, in the industry. I'm not sure where he is now, but um, he and I were, we weren't what I would call close friends, but we were buddies. We were like stereotypical blind nerds who would talk on the phone all the time about stuff blind kids were often into, like radio and uh, technology. Those were probably our two main topics. And um, he told me about this thing called a Braille and Speak, and I could scarcely believe what he what he was what he was describing and i went to see it in 1988 at a store called sensations which was an adaptive equipment store in philadelphia which another kind of funny turn in life is i would wind up working there too in 1990 for about nine months as a as an assistant manager um or admin or something. I don't even remember what my full title was. But anyway, um, so I saw it there and just like instantly fell in love with it, got it a year later. Actually, it was about six months later. And I didn't think that I wanted to work in this field. I still kind of saw radio as my main thing. But I knew that I wanted to work for the company that made this. 
because for me it was it wasn't just a cool gadget it was it was just magical and revolutionary and um i think it's actually if i could compile a top 3 list of all of the adapt all of the technologies that have totally revolutionized the lives of blind people that would be on the top of that list uh or at least it would be on the top 3 and i can go into why later on but i don't want to totally derail this but Anyway, um, I, I had very clearly let the folks at Blazy Engineering know that I was interested in working for them. And I was, you know, this was before social media and LinkedIn and, you know, where we could just file resumes online. Yeah. So I was, um, I was quite a pain in the neck. I, you know, I was constantly writing to them with bug reports you know, on like, I remember once I sent this 20 page letter, like in print with like a huge list of bugs and feature suggestions and, you know, I, constantly helping communicating on their bulletin board system, which was kind of a pre-internet sort of thing for people who remember that. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and I, and I, and I wound up um, working for them starting in 1991 and uh, moved to Maryland where I still live and worked for them for almost seven years. It was six years and 10 months. I wanted to stay another two months so that I could say I worked for seven years, but I got another job offer and I didn't want to tell the, you know, prospective employer, well, actually I'd like to wait two more months so I could work at this place for seven years. So it you know it was it was the right time to go but before that happened i still wasn't thinking oh i'd like to really stay in this field it was really just short term of oh i'm working at blazy engineering and how cool is that but i didn't really know where i'd be going after that but during my time at blazy engineering i started learning a lot about other technologies cuz you kind of had to so that was when I learned about Windows. In fact, I kind of had to learn Windows. I went into it kicking and screaming because Blazy, and most people won't remember this, but we produced what might have been the second or third Windows screen reader. Um, Window Bridge was likely the first, but there was a product called Windows Master. Um, didn't last too long, and that may have partially been my fault that it didn't last too long because I just was not a big fan of Windows at the time. Um, but also JAWS for Windows came out in 1995. And I think the company realized that, you know, hey, they're really doing cool things. And, you know, they're they're really um, uh, capturing this market. Yeah, yeah they're, they're capturing the market. And, and I think they did even then. Um, I, I I remember Jaws for Windows 1.0 because we got a copy of it when I worked there. So I was kind of learning all the other screen readers, both in DOS and Windows. And and so then I heard, and I don't even remember how I heard about it at the time, that a nonprofit in Philly was looking for someone to do training for this program to work with kids after school where the state of new jersey was paying for people to, uh, paying for uh, kids to get computers and computer training 
So I interviewed for them and was accepted and started doing that in 1998. And then I was working with adults as well as kids. So that was kind of fun. I got to, you know, see a lot of different perspectives. And then um, they were kind of downsizing. And around that time, I kind of saw the writing on the wall and started interviewing and then got a similar job, except it wasn't with kids. Uh, it was with adults at a place that was at the time called Associated Services for the Blind in Philly. They're recently uh, now called Vision Link. They went through a name change. But at ASB, I had a similar job, except that at ASB, I didn't travel to the kids' schools and houses. It was all done in-house, which I kind of welcomed that. Um, so that was kind of nice. And then um, in uh, 2016, I had heard about from a recruiter this job opening at Comcast. And ironically, this is kind of funny, and I've never told this part of the story publicly, but it's, it's fine now. Um, she was looking for people who were visually impaired. And this recruiter didn't know a lot about visually impaired people and where, where to find them. So she looked up, uh, she wondered if there was a computer users group for blind people in Philadelphia. And she looked up, you know, Philadelphia computer users and found this group that I had founded several years earlier. And she wrote to me, not intending for me to apply um, <clears throat> because she saw that I was working as a trainer at ASB. And so she kind of thought, well, he probably won't want it because he's working and, but maybe his, some of his members would be interested. And I looked at the job description and said, well, actually, I think I would like to apply for that. <laughs> so I, I have to confess, I never actually put the posting on the Philly computer users group list because I said, I want to, I want to grab this. And if I don't get it, then, you know, I'll let the members apply for it and that's fair. But um, ASB was also doing a lot of downsizing. My job wasn't in jeopardy the way it was at the last place, but my hours had been reduced twice and there was just no room for any kind of growth there um, at the time. I, yeah, I'm sure the place has changed, so I don't want to speak negatively about them. But at the time, I, I knew that there was no way I was going to get more hours. So I applied and then got that, uh, got that position where I still am today. So that's kind of my journey in the field. It was all a bunch of unexpected twists and turns. And if you would have told me as a kid or as a teenager that one day I would be working in the assistive tech field or I'd be working with kids, I would have laughed at that. And if you would have told me as a, as a teenager that I would be working for Comcast, I mean, I would have said, why would I work for Comcast? They're a cable company. You know, like they weren't <laughs> yeah. even accessible. I mean, we had Comcast growing up. That that was kind of a funny thing. So I, I remembered them from the mid-1980s. Um, I had nothing against them, 
but we we never assumed there would be talking guides and you know of course comcast internet and home security that just wasn't available comcast was cable if you wanted if you didn't want cable then you would have had no business calling comcast because that's all they offered at the time mm. and so i never saw myself i mean you may as well have told me i you know i i would go to You'd be, be, a, be a, a space brain surgeon or something yeah. yeah you know so so that that's how that happened as far as my journey to the american council of the blind i had known about acb since the 1980s i had gotten the braille forum once a month and i had read it but i'm gonna confess this to you and and the reason why is because i think it's it's a the objection that i had to joining, and I don't even know if it was a conscious one that I was really formulating. Um, I think it was just part of my psyche. And, and I want to share it because I think it's still valid today that a lot of young kids might feel this. I, I like the Braille Forum, and I like the ACB, and over time I preferred them over the NFB due to philosophical reasons. But if it never occurred to me to actually join the ACB or be a member. And I never really thought about why, but I think if you would have come to me at the time and said, hey, this is great, you're reading the Braille Forum, how come you don't join or have you thought of joining? What I probably would have said to you was, Anthony, why should I? Tell me why mm -hmm. I should join. How will they benefit me? How will I benefit them? What do I have to offer them? And for that matter, what do they have to offer me? I'm in college. Um, I've got all the technology that I need. It was pretty crude by today's standards, but still, you know, I, I you know, I'm, I'm working. Um, what's, how are they relevant in my life? And, and, and I wanted to share that. Because I think it's probably a question that many people, maybe some older, maybe a lot of kids and teenagers might still be thinking about. And I think we need to be prepared for that objection and to know how to uh, truthfully answer that. Um, I think what got me into joining it uh, was when I worked for Blazy Engineering, a few things happened. I was asked to go to a local Delaware Council affiliate to demonstrate our products at, at a local convention. And then I started going to ACB national conventions um, on behalf of, of Blazy Engineering at the time, representing the company and, you know, helping people update their stuff and selling stuff and doing you know demos and and i i think that going to the conventions kind of helped me to get me all sort of charged up about what acb was doing but i think as i got older um i i wanted to be a, a few things i i think i realized i wanted to be a part of something bigger than myself i knew that i had things that I could offer them as far as things that I've learned that I could share. And, you know, as you get older, you realize how little you know. And, mm. and as I got older, I yeah. kind of realized, you know, maybe I, 
there are things that I could learn from other members of a blindness organization that have been doing this longer than I have or who have had experiences that I haven't had. So, yeah, I've always been pro-ACB, but never pro enough to join until it just sort of naturally happened. And I said, yeah, I really would like to join. But I wish that someone when I was younger would have talked to me about, hey, this is why you should think about joining now, even though you, you're you 20 years old and you think you're on top of the world and you you know, you, you, you think you're in a good place, you know, maybe you could share that with other people and maybe you could let other people share how they got to a good place or maybe how you could get to a different place or a better place. Um, so I, I just, um, I know that wasn't maybe what you wanted to talk about, but I kind of thought since this is on ACB media and this is primarily an ACB audience, and you were asking about my journey to ACB, I thought it was important to share why I wasn't a member for so long and that it wasn't so much anything that ACB was doing or not doing. It was just, for the most part, it was more just, I didn't see the relevance. You know, it's it's funny. Um, I, I was part of a program for the Florida State Convention called Electric Youth, basically having that exact conversation. And I think, you know, we do a really good job once we have the members of exposing our members to all of the things that that we have, all of the various affiliates and the advocacy that we're doing. And I also think we do a really good job with trying to help folks understand aging into blindness, why ACB is a great organization to be a part of. But I, I think you're right. I think the conversations that we have currently with our younger generations are from way much, much more from our perspective than from their perspective. And, and that was something that we actually, Sheila can attest to this, that we actually spoke about during the program that, you know, we need to find ways to, to you know, speak their language. I, I, I know growing up, you must have experienced entertainment, whether it be, you know, sitcoms or books or, you know, where there's always that, that scene, that moment where, the older generation, you know, the parental generation, so to speak, has that moment where it's like, oh, my God, I can't relate to my kids on that level. And wait, my parents couldn't relate. You know, when I was wearing bell bottoms <laughs> and I had a perm, you know, they were telling me, what's the matter with you? And, and now, you know, it's, yeah. it's pants, you know, an inch and a half below the waist. And, you know, I don't relate to that. What's going on here? And, and I think you, you hit the nail on the head. That is definitely a conversation that we need to keep open-ended and keep having, you know, how do we meet, how do we meet them where they are and, and let them know that, you know, A, we're stronger together at, at every age and B, you know, yeah. you, you don't know, you don't know. And especially, I mean, look at the community over a hundred calls a, a week and we range on subjects, you, you know, from, from everything. We've got people teaching French and Spanish and, and all kinds of tech, of course, but there's so much more. There's the advocacy. So I'm going to, I'm going to shut up. It is my show, but I'm going to shut up. And <laughs> I got to ask, did you have any flirtation with radio along your journey? Did you, you know, did you get anything, um, a tech show or a talk show, or were you a frequent guest anywhere? What, whatever ended up happening, happening with your dream of, of being on the radio? Oh, I'm glad you added with the radio, because all I heard was, did you have flirtation? And I was thinking, well, okay, let's, we could talk about that if you want. But um, yeah, um, yes, um, I did. 
uh, a lot of little things. Um, so one of them was in Philly, also at Associated Services for the Blind, and it's sadly no longer there. Philly had a, what I consider what was a fabulous radio reading service where mm. they would have local volunteers reading books and magazines and even articles from newspapers and the TV guide. And I had gotten a hold of this this uh, radio. It was on a subcarrier of a local NPR station, which is now uh, WHYY. And um, so, yeah, um, I had gotten this when I was maybe 11. And I just thought, whoa, man, they're reading the TV guide every night at eight o'clock. This is like, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, now we don't think about that because we have so many ways of accessing this kind of material, um, particularly if I, if I might say through NFB Newsline, which has done a good job in that space of, of providing accessible reading material to, to periodicals and, and TV. But there are other ways that we can access, to, in, including products like what Comcast has. So, um, you know, at the time in 19, in the, in the 1970s for an 11 year old kid, this radio reading service was just, was, you know, it was a dream. And um, so later on, I wound up working for them uh, operating, not, not doing any reading, but operating the control board and reading the schedule and saying, well, it's one minute after eight here on RICB and it's, you know, 32 degrees and here's what's coming up tomorrow. And that was kind of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and briefly in 1989 for a very short run, there was a radio station in Philly and I think they're still around. It was uh, WPEB. It was a real tiny little station in West Philly where uh, basically you had to pay they didn't pay you to do a show. You paid them to do a show, and that's how they made their money. But you could do whatever you wanted. And, and when I was in college, a buddy of mine in college um, did a short run on there doing uh, kind of mostly talk with some music. Um, I was – and I'm not into this anymore – but I, I was a big fan of shock jock radio at the time. Okay. I, I know I no longer listen to it. I find it offensive and unnecessary. But you know, this you're, you're talking, you know, over 30 years ago. Um, this was in 1989. I was a very different person then. And um, so a, a buddy of mine did that that kind of thing. And we crossed the line in in at least one area, but because we were paying them, they they did they either didn't hear it or they didn't or care they didn't enough. they didn't care enough or or they missed at least one, you know I don't know um, I I'm amazed we were able to get away with it. Um, so I I I did that and you know so I think those two were the extent of my radio work. Um, I was sometimes a guest. I, I was doing an intern, uh, kind of an unofficial internship at a local talk station in Philly, which is no longer around. And I used to go on, 
I used to work uh, with a with that same college friend of mine at the control board on Saturdays for a lot of their shows, and um, I was sometimes a guest on one of their other shows doing voices. I used to do impressions and stuff, and I used to do voices of celebrities and 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 other people. That that was. I'm kind gonna of have to ask you to do one. <laughs> no, I think I think not. My I, my voice is no longer in that kind of shape where I where I would uh, do that. Um, but 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 I I was into that at the time. Again, I was a very different person. You know, I I, I kind of thought there was no limit to what I could do. I was a little bit cocky. Um, sometimes a lot cocky. I, I think in some ways that was not good. I think in other ways. Uh, properly harnessed, it it can serve you well. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, but I think having an equal dose of uh, humility, humility would yeah. would also help. Um, back then, I would have probably said that I'm very proud of my humility. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that that was kind of the radio work that I did, and it's funny because. Some people say, well, once radio gets in your blood, it's always there. I I know Jonathan Mosen said something like that. And that's not completely true with me. Um, I don't have the passion for it that I once did, although I still love good talk shows and good interviewers. And one of the things that I have been thinking about doing is um, a, a show similar to yours, but I would really love to do long, in-depth interviews. I loved Larry King because he could literally interview anyone for two hours without taking calls, and it would be interesting. He could interview his own daughter and find yeah. things out about her that you know maybe he didn't know and make it interesting to us. And it didn't matter to him whether you were the president of the United States or the plumber next door. Um, he would interview anybody without any preparation. Now, I don't think I'm anywhere near that good, but I love those shows, and there aren't many of them now, where you have a guest and you literally just sit with them and say, okay, I want to talk to you for at least an hour, an hour and a half before we take any questions and really probe you and get to know you. And and we, we just don't have stuff like that. Even on television, Larry King couldn't do that. Due to due to time. Anyway, I'm kind of digressing. This is not what you wanted to talk about, but no, we're um, we're. I struggle with that with this show. We're in a we're in a soundbite world where you know the you know the mass of our population is used to you know a five minute interview and yeah clipped out segments rather than in depth conversations. And and I do I struggle and I get it all the time. When I, you know, when I am talking to po- folks getting ready for the show, and they're like, "How are we going to fill an hour or two hours?" And I'm like, "Trust me, this is what I do. Will yeah. it'll work?" <laughs> yes, yes. But I do. I'm going to keep the conversation moving a little bit. Um, I want to get into you know all of the daily offerings, but before that, what can you? And and I do realize you know with a company like Comcast, there may be a lot that you can't tell us. But what can you tell us about your role at Comcast? Oh, well, I can definitely talk about my role at Comcast. Um, so, and and it it sometimes seems to change so often that, um, you know, I, I, and I like that part actually. And that's been true with all of the roles that I've had. So I work with their accessibility team, right? So 
what we do as a team, and I'm saying we because I'm not the only one who does this. I'm not the product manager. I'm not the accessibility team. I'm just one of many on the team. But what we are tasked to do is to, and this may sound very oversimplified, but but it's 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 true, is that we <clears throat> want to make sure that all of our products and services, apps and websites and you know, all of the things that we offer are accessible, not just to blind people, not just, you know, do they work with JAWS or do they work with voiceover? I mean, that's important, but accessibility is goes way beyond screen readers. And so we want to make sure that A, all of our public facing products are accessible, but also there's an aspect to the team where we also um, are looking at the internal products that maybe customers don't see, but if you work at the company and you have a disability, whether you're blind or whether you have a color de deficiency um, that you would, you would use, and we need to make sure that those products are also accessible. So that's what our, that's what our team does. So let's let's go backwards. Um, just a little over a month ago, we were all, or you know, a good number of us were in Omaha, and, and a greater number of us were experiencing the convention via you know virtual, um, hence hybrid. And you got the Distinguished Service Award. So you know, you offer a lot to the ACB community. A, what did it, you know, what did it feel like when you heard your name called out? And then take us backwards. You know, what is it like every day to put all of this information out? So, I mean, I will be honest. I knew before my name was called. And the reason why is because I wasn't attending the convention. Um, I was asked by someone in the Maryland affiliate that he called me a couple of months ago and said, are you going to the convention? I said, yeah, I'm going to be registering uh, virtually, which ironic, funny enough, I hadn't even done that yet. Um, so I was kind of glad I got that tap on the shoulder because I might've missed that opportunity too. But I said, yeah, I'm planning to register virtually. He said, Oh, you're not, so you're not uh, traveling. I said, no, 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 no. I said, because of COVID, I'm not really comfortable, um, <clears throat> you know, doing that personally. And um, he said, oh, well, I, he said, I just called because, you know, we were going to be going to dinner with some of the folks from the Maryland affiliate, and we wanted to know if you'd be able to go. And I said, no, I'm really sorry. I just, I, I, I'm not going to be able to do that. And I didn't think a lot of it, but a kind of, um, not a red flag, but something went off in my head and I thought that, that is very odd. Um, I've never gotten a call quite like, not, not that it's inappropriate to be invited to dinner by your affiliate, but they've never reached out to me before. So I kind of thought that's something's up with that. I just have a feel, but I didn't know what it was and I just didn't think about it. And then I got a call from, um, someone from the awards committee who told me that they wanted to give me the award in person, but because I was, my words, not hers, because I was just making things so difficult by not going to the convention, they had to tell me ahead of time. That That's not at all what she said. Uh, what she said was, you know, because you weren't planning to go, 
we we have to let you know ahead of time so that we can give you a Zoom link. That being said, even though I knew on the night of, I think it was July 7th, I still was pretty surprised. And I still am pretty floored that I would even be chosen for that because I kind of feel like I'm just sitting in my home office in front of a computer forwarding a bunch of emails. I mean, I, I'm doing a lot more than that. There is some work to be done. But at the end of the day, that's kind of what it is. I'm just copying and pasting stuff, doing a little bit of editing, doing a little bit of tweaking. And, you know, I didn't think it would win an award, let alone that type of award. Um, so that that's my memories of how I found out about it. As far as what what it's like to do it, there's several tools that I use to do it, and I don't mind sharing what they are. There's no, no there's no proprietary secret. Um, obviously, a lot of it are things from mailing lists, right? I'm subscribed to a lot of mailing lists, and one of the people who inspired me to do this, I know, as blind people, we really hate it when some sighted person says, oh, you really inspire me. And we, we just, <laughs> let's be honest, sometimes we just want to smack them because what they really mean is, I'm just so amazed that you get out of bed and actually go to church and go to the supermarket. That's yeah. really what, what sometimes what they're saying. I love what Haben Gurma said, and I used to think the same thing. When people would say that, she would say, oh, that's great. And then she would say, what have I inspired you to do? And I think yeah. that's a very valid response. And yeah. I can honestly say, and I hope she won't mind mentioning her name, and I don't even know if she listens to your show, Amy Rule, who many of you may know and remember, truly inspired me. Um, and I can say that without fear that Amy will want to smack me in the head because Amy originally did this and quite frankly amy's the one who should have gotten this award along with dean martineau those are the two giants whose shoulders i honestly feel like i'm standing on um amy did a mailing list in the 1990s called amy's filters and forwards and it was very similar in a lot of ways although now we have a lot more available to us we have more websites and RSS feeds and things that Amy wouldn't have had access to at the time, or at least not in the, with the same level of convenience that we do now. But what Amy did have, she used really well. And she was subscribed to a ton of mailing lists and sent out a bunch of things to people. And um, that list was available for maybe a few years. It could have been longer, but eventually it, you know, she had to stop. And I had already been doing that unofficially for 30 years, both for people that I worked with and on other mailing lists. And so I just decided, I think I'm going to do this, but you know, maybe do it differently with some expanded tools that Amy would not have had at the time, just because some of them didn't exist. So like Amy, um, I am on a ton of mailing lists. And so a lot of that comes from lists. I also am subscribed to um, a bunch of RSS feeds, which are um, uh, basically where you get different articles from different websites in a very organized way. Like uh, I, I yeah, yeah. I use uh, Lyrae on iOS 
uh, because for me that that does what I need it to do really well. And um, I'm on, a lot of the news feeds I'm on are not relevant to Tech VI, so you know most of what I read you guys don't even see. But I'm on a lot of blindness stuff and stuff dealing with mainstream technology that I think would be of relevance to um, blind readers. So I do a lot of that. And I just periodically just do the old fashioned thing of going on different websites that I might not have feeds for and just checking those out. And I do get readers um, who do, oh, and there's also Twitter. Uh, so there's there's Twitter, um, subscribe to all of the you know usual suspects on Twitter as well as accessibility experts and other blind folks who forward or retweet stuff that I think would be of relevance. I'm on LinkedIn, so lots of interesting things will sometimes pop up on my LinkedIn feed, and I'll think, oh, that's kind of cool, um, and I'll forward that. Um, and although I haven't done this as much, I do get some relevant job alerts from job websites like Indeed. Um, I don't post a lot of jobs for the most part where you have to move somewhere to ap apply. Yeah. I have no problem with that, by the way. But I'm really interested in getting jobs, not only that blind people can do and would want to do, but that are remote, so that someone could say, oh, not only can I do that, but I don't even have to move. And um, those are the kind of things that I think I'm interested in, as opposed to, you know, so-and-so in South Carolina is looking for a blind person. Not that I have anything against some agency in South Carolina looking for a blind person. By all means, let them do it. But that would only be of relevance to a very small portion of the Tech VI readership. So I tend not to put that on. So we're going to open it up for questions in a moment. And I'm sure folks are going to ask you more about the daily um, what I love, though, is often you'll you'll give us a summary or, you know, or, you know, extra information with whatever you're posting for us, which is great. Um, but I got to go back to something you said earlier, just because I'm a computer, bit of a computer nerd. You said that you really weren't into Windows. So what was your first computer? <laughs> I actually came into this computer thing late to the party, which might surprise some people. I wasn't one of those early adopters that had been, you know, using version 1.0 of Flipper or, you know, Arctic Vision. Um, my first real sort of computery type thing was a VersaBraille that I got from a good friend of mine who's still a very close friend of mine to this day. In 1987, and then in 1989, I got the Braille and Speak. But my first computer, and I do consider both of those devices computers of a sort, uh, they definitely are. But I would say my first computer that most people would think of was a used XT that I got in 1991. Wow. It had a 10 megabyte, not gigabyte, uh, 10 megabyte hard drive, 640K of RAM with Vocalize 1.1 with DOS. It was either 3.2 or 3.3. And that sounds really ancient, but it was still late to the party because I, when I worked at the radio reading service in 1988, I mean, people back then were talking about, oh, I got an AT and that's much faster than my XT and 
oh, I really, you know, love the way Arctic does this and, and the way Vert does that. And so I was hearing about a lot of this stuff, but it was still a bit alien to me. So I didn't really get into that until 19, it was 1991. It was actually about two months before I started at Blazy Engineering. Wow. Oh. Listeners know my first computer experience was the Commodore 64. (laughs) Oh, how did you Uh, use it? Well, I'm only blind six years. Ah, okay, okay. So you had full vision then. Commodore 64 was, yeah, I, I had a friend of mine in high school who had a Commodore 64. Um, and he was another good friend of mine. He was actually the one one of the people I think who got me into bulletin boards. And in fact, the first BBSs that I called in 1988 were for Commodore users. And so a lot of it was very, what's that? Um, It was part of the CompuServe system. Ah, yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, for me, it was, that was very alien reading about all this Commodore software that obviously I couldn't run on my VersaBraille. Um, But yeah. Yeah, in fact, I still, I think I still remember the phone number for that first bulletin board that I ever called. <laughs> it's kind of funny, the stuff that, that sticks with sticks you. Sticks in your brain, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I, now I would have loved to, I'd still love to see a Commodore 64. Do you know if they can be made accessible or were they? You know, I, I don't. <clears throat> and a couple of years ago, I had um, pulled it out. It was in my mother's <clears throat> basement. Um, you know, and I had pulled it out and unfortunately it just had degraded at that point that Mm -hmm. it wasn't usable. Um, and I actually sold it to somebody who, who, you know, restored computers and, and kept, you know, had their own mini, mini, um, like museum, computer museum. Um, and I sold it for a hundred (laughs) bucks. Yeah. 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 So I am going to ask Sheila, do we have any hands yet? And if not, uh, and you want to ask David some stuff, please throw your hand on up. All right, Jane, go ahead and unmute. Don't forget about that got it button. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's occasionally right. thrown me too. Oh my gosh, it throws a lot of people. Oh yeah. All right, Melissa, you can unmute. Good morning. Hey, Melissa. Hey, Lisa, it's still morning here in Washington State. Good morning. Well, it's morning <laughs> or good somewhere. afternoon, yes. Yeah. But Mr. Goldfield, um, it is an, a pleasure, a pleasure to meet you. Ma'am, you, sh- you have to call me David, please. Mr. Goldfield oh. was my father. Oh, I see. Okay, I'm from the South. I can't help it. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> David, but pleasure <Yes>. to meet you. <laughs> Thanks, likewise, dear. Um, so my question um, is this, and I, I don't want obviously I mean obviously I know you can't give out a lot of stuff over the air especially about your work but I um was laid off my job back in January and I'm looking for work at this point and my goal is to work like in an accessibility like a department or some sort of thing like what you were talking about with Comcast yes and I'm just curious um to find out um, cause I know that Comcast does have an accessibility phone number. Cause I call that number, um, mm. a lot, especially when I'm having a technical issue and they do a great, they do a fantastic job. But my question is, is what kind of an environment would you say Comcast is for you as a, as a blind person? Um, you know, just how much do you enjoy working there? Just what's the environment like? Because like I said, I'm, I want to work for someone, you know, some, something like that, but I want to just know about the environment. Yeah, I mean, okay. I think to, for me, they're very inclusive. I mean, obviously, it's, you know, I, I didn't 
<clears throat> you know, it, it didn't have to try to petition them to get me a screen reader because they already had licenses for all of that. Um, so I, I, you know, and they're very, again, I think very inclusive to people with disabilities and very professional. And, you know, I'm still there after six and a half years. And if I hated it, um, I, I wouldn't be. <laughs> so they're good. Sure. Um, whether that particular team, and that's a different team, by the way, than the one that I'm, that I work with. Um, I see. A, a lot, we work in concert with one another, but a lot of people think, oh, the accessibility team is the team in Philly and the folks at the call center. And we're actually two separate um, teams, although we obviously coexist with one another. And I meet with um, the director. I have a biweekly sync with them um, just to kind of catch up on things and compare notes. I don't know if they're currently looking, but I would say to go to, I think it's careers.comcast.com and just do a search for accessibility. Um, I haven't looked at that website in a while, but hopefully the application process, you know, should be accessible. Obviously, if it isn't, if there are issues that you encounter, uh, give them a call and let them know. Um, but okay. do a search for accessibility. I know they have different ways that you can search for keywords and you can search for different divisions. Um, but I don't know that particular website really well, but I have seen it. I've used it. I've done a little bit of work with it, but that was several years ago. Okay. Um, that, that's great. I will certainly, um, you know, look at that. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but, but that is something that I'm interested in doing is, you know, working like in an accessibility department because I'm totally blind myself. I mean, why not? You know, <laughs> do, you, do you do accessibility? Do you know, like some of the more, do you know WCAG and, and about how to do accessibility testing? Um, if you no, don't, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not no, trying no. to put you on the spot be because it, even if you don't, you would be amazed um, if you were to even go on regular mainstream sites like Indeed, Career Builder, Monster, sure. do a search for accessibility, you will be actually yeah. amazed at what comes up because we're at a time now when accessibility is a thing and it's a positive thing and it's a good thing and lots of companies are looking for accessibility specialists and some of them may require uh -huh. knowledge that you might not have quite bluntly some of them require knowledge that i don't have but um, <laughs> many of them will require knowledge that you might have and you might be surprised at how many opportunities are out there Okay, well, I do have an Indeed account, so yes, I will certainly do that. Um, I'm working with a career consultant um, in this endeavor because um, obviously this whole job thing, looking at jobs and finding jobs, is just kind of stressing me out. So I'm very fortunate and blessed to have this uh, career consultant helping me out. So um, I'll certainly take and note of those things, and uh, I'm going to meet with him tomorrow, as a matter of fact. So Good. I wish you all the best, Melissa. I really do. But yeah, go, go to careers.comcast.com and see what is available because I honestly don't know. Sure. Oh, well, thank you. And uh, God bless you. God bless you too. Thanks. Thank <laughs> you, ma'am. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anthony. Anthony. Uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry, Brian. Go ahead. Anthony, can I uh, interject with a resource? Sure. 
So there is a really good website called a11yjobs.com. And it's a really good resource of accessibility jobs all in one place. So that might be worth checking out. Oh, Byron, thank that's you, awesome. Byron. You know, I knew about thank their you, Twitter Byron. feed. I didn't know about the website. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Byron. Okay. All right, Sheila, you said Jeanette? Jane. <clears throat> Jane, Jane's back. Hey, Jane. Yeah, there she is. <laughs> yes. First of all, um, thinking about you, David, uh, I appreciate how careful you are with language. And somebody mm. recently said something about, you know, life stresses and experiences only hurt until you give them words. Mm -hmm. And I appreciated how you said, boy, I was different 30 years ago. Thank God most of us were for sure, for sure. You know, and we come along and when we can put those things into words, they become respectable or respectful rather and, and uh, manageable. They, they can, at least that's how I found it. I appreciate your professional comments um, radio talking book services. Yes. Minnesota still has the best one in the country. In my opinion, I'm um, having experienced a number of different States uh, iterations yeah, yeah. of them. Um, two old songs, Ray, um, <clears throat> go look for the limelighters. That's an old social thing group. Uh, they sang have some Madeira Madeira. And it was my first encounter with sex in a song. Oh my gosh, they were such a dirty old men in that song. And it's the funniest thing when you hear their wonderful harmonies and their musical skills. So go look that up. Or the Smothers Brothers, their song about new math. Now that's from back in the 60s. So I guess you know how old I am. I know the Tom <laughs> Lehrer version, but not the Smothers Brothers yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, I uh, will go so that other people can ask things, but I really have appreciated this program and look forward to the second hour. And Anthony, anytime you want to interview anybody for an hour, do it because you listen, then you ask questions that come out of your listening. So carry on. Thank you. Thank you. Sheila, yeah. who's up next? Jamaica. Hi, Jamaica. Welcome. Hello. I want to. I want to say how much I've been enjoying your 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 show your shows, Anthony. And I'm. Thank you. And and I am going to be contacting you in a little while, but it's just crazy around my house right now. But I wanted to ask David. Um, did you ever do a session on the on the um, on um, the program called? Thunderbird, and if you did, can I? Could, uh, could you give us uh, to see about me getting in touch with you about? Oh man, you have such a memory. Um, so I did one Thunderbird session. It might have been a year and a half ago. It was an ACB community call, and I think in the podcast feed, it's probably the first slash last one in there from like, I don't know, December of the year before last. So I did do that, but I must be honest with you. I don't use Thunderbird anymore. I've kind of switched over 
personally using Outlook and I'm a little bit out of touch with Thunderbird. Okay. All right. Thank yeah, I'm you. so sorry. Thank you, Jamaica. I look forward to talking with you. Sheila, how many more hands do we have? One. All right, cool. Meryl? Hi, Hi David. Meryl. It's hey, Hi, Anthony. It's it's an honor. Oh, Anthony, I will contact you this week. Thank you for your email. Um, I David, it's an honor to talk to you. I just um, subscribed recently to your Tech VI list, and I really appreciate all the value valuable information. Um, <clears throat> I'm the vice president of the American Council of the Blind of Maryland, also, and I'm so glad you became a member of. ACB, it's just wonderful. But the other comment I want to make was that my late husband, um, Charles Schechter, he used to work for Blazy Engineering. So I got to know Dean Blazy and also Ted Hinter, also <laughs> from Hinter Joyce, and you oh, know, wonderful yeah. people. They so, are. Yeah, we'll be in contact, but I just want to let you know I appreciate you very much. Oh, that's so kind. Thank you. Yeah, Dean. Uh, he's a good guy. He's still around. And yeah, he was, right. um, I didn't know who the founder of Apple was in the 1980s, but I knew who the founder of Blazy Engineering was. And Dean Blazy was my <laughs> Steve Jobs. Oh, wow. And, I mean, I really, you know, I can, I, I, you know, didn't know that at the time because I didn't know who Steve Jobs was. But mm -hmm. yeah, for, for many of the same reasons. So that that's really, that's really great. Thank you for yeah, sharing. You're that. welcome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, David, before I let you go, um, you sent in a personal bio, which was which was awesome. I I enjoyed that it was a little bit more personal storytelling rather than, um, and any bio that people send is always okay. But I, I love the way you sent yours. But your last line really intrigued me, and I don't have a specific question. Uh -huh. I'm I'm just going to ask if you would share what what that means for you. Um, you know, and what, what that process has been for you, whatever you feel like sharing on that. Which, which one specifically give, give me uh, a, cause, cause I, cause I remember what was in that last paragraph, but was it about my choice to become Catholic or my yes. interest in, oh, okay. Um, that really could be the subject of another one hour thing because Catholic converts uh, there's one thing you'll never hear from them. They never say, well, you know, Anthony, one day I woke up and I decided to become Catholic and I went to the local parish priest and I told him I wanted to become Catholic and he said that I could and then I became Catholic. It never happens <laughs> that way. Yes. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of kicking and screaming sometimes. Um, and so it's hard to answer that quickly um, what I will say, though, is that as someone who is was also born Jewish, it was a natural progression. It was not leaving Judaism for something else, although I will acknowledge that many Jewish people will disagree with that, and, and I understand that. Um, but for me, it was the completion of Judaism, finding the church not only just one of many Christian churches, but the church that was founded by Jesus Christ. And for me, that was that 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 was one of the reasons why I wanted to be Catholic and not, you know, Baptist or Presbyterian. Although I have nothing against them at all. Uh, that's that's kind of a very short answer to your question. That that could be 
the subject of a whole of a whole other uh, topic. But for me, it was well, just the the completion of Judaism, and uh, it, it 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 not only felt right, but it it was just the right choice, and I've never looked back. I'm planning a show, hopefully in September. Um, this uh, we very basically talked about it. I have to reach out to her, but I'd, I'd like to have Lynn Corral on, who is doing the Jewish Hour. Yeah, and she's done some amazing, um, some of me. I've sat in on a few of them, some amazing um, talks. So I'm planning. I, I would hope that you'd want to come back um, and be a part of that show as well. I would, I would, and I, I've actually occasionally thought about just popping into the Jewish hour um, just just to kind of because I still have a real love and uh, connection to Judaism. I don't feel that I've abandoned it. And again, I know there are many Jewish people who will say, well, actually, you have abandoned it. And I, I, I know where that's coming from. And I, I, I you know, I, I don't want to be disrespectful of that perspective. But yeah, I'd love to do it. I'd Anthony, love to know more about Lynn's work. Anthony, Jane is coming yes. in, and I want to say to you, David, there is a wonderful uh, memoir account by Stephen Dubner of that exact journey in reverse. He, his family mm. lived through the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. His family moved to the U.S. and never talked about their Jewish background and he felt such a nudge to keep exploring beyond what he saw as the restrictions of Catholicism and did that same journey in reverse. So you might just find some connection there. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. I, and I also want to say to you about ACB membership and talking to younger people. I had that on my list to say and didn't say it before, but one of the things that people who could be members need to really hear is that ACB community today can really help them know how to contact their political uh, representatives and issues. That's what is so relevant and real. Not you could or you should, but this is what ACB can help you do. So that's now I'm done. Thank you. Agreed. Well, thank you. I, I want to step out of the way and and out of respect for Cecily. But if it's okay, I want to kind of mute and just um, just hang out and listen to that interview as well. Absolutely. If you have any questions, throw your hand up. I will. <laughs> and Jane, stay tuned because I have a feeling that Cecily and I will get into a little bit of that in our conversation. So, without further ado, another person who has actually been to Sunday Edition before, but I've wanted to talk with in depth. I am sending a huge welcome to Cecily Laney Napier. <laughs> Nipper. Thank you, Anthony. Nipper. <laughs> Those <laughs> darn screen readers. <laughs> welcome, welcome back to Sunday Edition for a full-length interview. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Have I been on Sunday Edition before? Weren't you on one of our J.P. Morgan calls? I thought not, but maybe I was. I don't know. All right. Well, you'll definitely be here next week with our JP Morgan as well, right? Yes. All right. So let's um let's kind of take the same trajectory. Um, tell the folks about your journey. You know, little little Cecily and finding ACB and you know work it up to the point where you became president of Georgia. Oh, that's a big ask. Okay. Well. 
I grew up sighted, but I, uh, I was homeschooled and then uh, became a missionary right out of high school and was taking correspondence courses at night. We're talking the correspondence courses in the day of, I was typing on a Corona typewriter and snail mailing my assignments to another state. That was my correspondence. So, uh, took two years worth of classes while I was working for that mission school. It was a school teaching, uh, a boarding school for girls and taught there for four years and took two years worth of an education degree. Then when I left that job, I said, well, this education degree, I'm burned out on working with kids a little bit, which is funny considering what I did later for GCB. But I took the chance to take those credits and finish out a few more classes and instead come out with a secretarial degree which is something I thought well I'll use this someday and actually that someday did happen a few years later I was married briefly and lived in Louisiana and then moved back home when that marriage ended to Covington Georgia which is the place I was raised born everything and I'm back here I've been back here for over a decade now and got a job as a secretary in a dental office. While working there, I began to experience vision issues. And within about a two-week span of just thinking, oh, you know, I don't see so well, something wrong with my eyes. I went from corrected with glasses to 2200 in a central field of 10 degrees. So for those of you who know, that's you know, looking through, looking through a telescope, tiny window of that was so scary. I was unfortunately still trying to drive and get second opinions. And I finally went to, well, two things happened. One, I went to a doctor, an eye doctor at, at a lighthouse, a lion's lighthouse, who said to me, if you drove here today, if you don't turn in your license, I will turn you into the state board to take your keys. And thank God I never hurt anyone. Nothing bad ever happened except one day I was driving to work and a car pulled out from my blind field that I didn't see. I pulled off the road into a ditch to avoid the car, called my folks to come pick me up, said I won't be into work today and quit driving because like I said, thank yeah. God I didn't hurt anyone or myself, which I was pretty depressed. The one great thing that happened is I had a wonderful employer who said, you know what, you can't drive, but I bet you can do some of this work from home. And she started sending me MP3 audio files of patient notes and letters to other doctors, thanking them for referrals, things like that, that I could then type up with at the time magnification on my PC and email back to her. Actually, one of the eye doctors I was seeing for a second opinion was at the time, this was 2010, he was sending in tiny cassettes to, which someone older than me might remember, I'm 35, so no tiny cassettes in, in my time of working with things, but he was mailing those snail mail to a transcriptionist to type up. I said, 
I don't want to take a job away from your transcriptionist, but if, if you can email me those on your smartphone, I can totally email back letters completed the next day. You don't need to be mailing tiny tapes. So around that same time, I heard on last week's, I believe it was last week's Sunday edition, Gabe talk about Googling blind plus K and finding blind pride in ACB. Something similar happened to me. I basically Googled blind support group Covington, Georgia and up popped my local chapter page on the Georgia Council of the Blind.org website. So I said, okay, this is the closest chapter. They meet in Conyers, that's not too far. And there was an email for the president. So I emailed the president, which happened to be Phil Jones. Some of you know him from the community and other things. Yeah, we know Phil. <laughs> you know Phil. And Phil uh, emailed me right back. Actually, we have a meeting this Saturday. Here's how much our dues are. Please come join us. And at that first meeting, I was so touched and impressed that I immediately paid dues and joined. And Phil said, well, all right, you've joined. Now you need to get a job in the chapter and your job will be baking cakes for hospitality for every meeting. I said, great. So he signed me up right away. I think that's been a philosophy that served me pretty well as, first of all, just get in and start somewhere. And secondly, when new people come, you know, let them take part, give them something to do. I worked my way up in that chapter. Um, and I, I have to give a shout out to, to Christine O'Brien, who is in Florida and may not ever hear this, but she was the secretary at the time and was recording uh, meetings on tape and typing them into Braille. And when it came time for the secretary's report of that first meeting and following meetings, she was reading Braille minutes. And I thought to myself, president of this chapter, Phil Jones, he's totally blind. Christine O'Brien, she's using Braille to read back her minutes and she's doing secretarial work. That means if I go blind, as I put it at the time, the rest of the way, I can do secretarial work and be president. That's what I thought. I thought, okay, <laughs> if they can do this, I can do this. And I was vice president of that chapter, which was fun because I got to coordinate the programs for two years. That, that was a hoot. And secretary of that chapter and president of that chapter. And then got involved with the state because the way the Georgia Council is structured, the president of each chapter serves as board representative and is a board member. So that's how we do it. So I was on the board during the time I was president and got to see how the board did things. It was around that time that then President Alice Richhart, who you all know, gave me work as chair of the youth committee, which has gone under a few different names over the years. Uh, we had some money that was donated to us specifically to help youth. And as chair of that committee with the help of great committee members and the scholarship committee helping us too, we had the opportunity to give devices out to 10 blind and visually impaired kindergarten through 12th grade students who were either being underserved by their school, their school couldn't serve them or the device they were being provided was only available during school. They couldn't take it home, different reasons, but we had the opportunity to administer a grant of devices. That was a, 
a huge thing. And it was around that time that Alice said, well, you're going to be the next president. I said, oh, sure. Yeah, Alice, whatever. But she kept saying it. And it kept in the back of my mind, like, well, do they want me to be president? Well, okay, sure. I'll do that. And sure enough, they voted me in. In November of 21, I was still shocked when they voted me in. It has been fun, though. It has been great fun. I have an awesome team. And that is how I came to this point. Did that cover your... I think it covered it pretty well, but I'm going to go back and touch on a few things. Yeah. Um, Where are you in your Braille journey? My Braille journey. Oh, gosh. So I immediately enrolled in 2012 when I joined GCB. I immediately enrolled with Hadley in a Braille course, completed it. That was right around the time UEB hadn't been rolled out yet. So it was the old code, made it all the way through, and then relied on the vision I had left and didn't use my Braille. Um, Fast forward to things happened. I lost the Braille that I had learned. I knew the basics. That was it. Then in December, I began to lose more vision and I had another attack of glaucoma had a drop in vision that brought me to using a screen reader voiceover because not so much able to read print anymore and I said oh gosh okay I've just about waited too long to get serious about braille and so I found a class that came my way through a nonprofit that provides braille tutoring over zoom which is kind of an odd concept for for some, well, how do you do your hand position? Well, it's not a perfect thing, but what we do is we all share the same book and we read aloud to each other with an instructor and tutors to help us. So I would say for my Braille that I've completed that course, yay. Yay. And now I, now I tutor for, that sa- for the next class of students in that same program so that I can make sure I keep my skills up. And I use it to make lists for myself I use it to mark label etc I can read it but it takes me a prohibitively long amount of time to read any long passages so to sit down and read for pleasure I'm not there yet I do still hope to get there I also hope to wade out into braille music because I uh, am a musician so so you know there are a lot of um, folks out there that say in, you know, in the world that we live in with the technology that we have, yes, it's great to have Braille skills, but, you know, it's not first or second on the list. Where do you come in on that, in that debate? I think two things about that. One, if it's being considered for a student, I am passionate that if there's any chance they'll that their vision will drop to that level or they deal with visual fatigue start them then for goodness sake because the proficiency will be there then for them and they won't struggle in the same way perhaps that an adult learner might we all know if we're raised with a second language it can help tremendously i understand braille is not a language but the people i know who are the most proficient are people who learned it in school yeah I would say, yes, we have a lot of technology out there. I do still think Braille does things for us that technology cannot replace. 
I mean, the batteries can go dead in the pen, friend, and the iPhone can crash while you're at the grocery store. If you've got hard copy Braille, there are certainly places for that. And I think in the workforce, too. For Absolutely. In the workforce. I mean, yeah, yeah since, since losing vision, I, I'm switching all my business paper. Any paper that I have to have, I want it to be Brailled so that I will have access to it no matter what happens to my vision. And when it comes to, you know, and I've had this conversation on Sunday edition with, with a few other folks, when it comes to the grieving process, you know, you had high level of sight, you had mediocre level of sight, you had a real point of time where you had to work and work hard as far as sight was concerned. What was the grieving process like for you or are you still in it? Oh, well, you know this personally, although I, I understand yours was more sudden. I would say that I am still in it just at moments where I might get frustrated because some of the things are not working. You know, the computer stops talking and I go, ah! <laughs> as far as I don't feel sorry for myself about it anymore like I did. I feel like I've come a good ways toward healing. The one thing that's kind of standing in my way is having an open vocational rehabilitation case that has become prolonged and I haven't finished my training. If that, if I could finish my training, I think that's holding me up emotionally a little bit. Yeah. I definitely can, I definitely can relate to that. And, you know, for me, and, and I think we all have, you know, the, the journey is tweaked, but I think we all hit certain phases or, or milestones that you it, we just all hit them at some point. I, you know, you talked about driving, obviously for me, it was sudden, but the, you know, I had a Toyota RAV4 at the time and, you know, and, and it sat and sat and sat because I just wasn't, I was still waiting, even though the doctors were telling me I had six surgeries and, and a whole bunch of stuff surrounding, but I was still waiting for the, the miracle that one yeah. day I'd get behind the wheel again. And, you know, and, and I think it was seven months. Um, I sold it to a family member that they much reduced. Uh, <laughs> I paid off the loan. <laughs> I made right. nothing off. Yeah. Um, but that was, that was a huge milestone. And, and even just a few weeks ago, I, I hit another kind of, of milestone. You know, I moved out of my comfort zone down to Florida, you guys know, but the pandemic was here. So I didn't really, you know, but I, I took my first public transportation down here. Oh, yay. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I use paratransit a lot, but so it's, it's really good to hear that. Let's go back to Georgia for a minute. Um, you, you've done some really, you know, you talked about the devices, which is great, but you've done some really great programming to hear voices of, of the younger generations to enfold. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and, and, you know, some of what you've learned about approaching different fo folks from different phases of life or different areas of some that are interested primarily in employment opportunities, some that are interested in tech and devices and learning? How, do you, how did you meld that all? And, and where do you think Georgia is right now in some of the programs that you started? I definitely don't think we've arrived, but I think we have started. We have kind of a, a large span, like you said, everywhere from someone in a master's program looking for their that first job in the field of study and everywhere from going down to school age kids and the journey of being a Braille student and 
all that goes along with that getting getting the first note taker and what will the job be one day you know we really span a large but there's not that many people in any one category so I think the advocacy for us that has helped the youth has gone back to basics in the fact that it may not be labeled youth work per se, but for example, if the Braille Committee creates an essay contest for blind students to enter with their Braille skills and they become aware of GCB through that, then that's touched youth. If our technology committee, you know, opens up opportunities to talk about what's out there or to call in on our technology calls and ask questions, that's something for the youth. I have borrowed a few things though, and want to do even more, where I believe it was the Washington Council, and if, if it was another council out there, you can, you can pipe up and remind us who you are, but they had an amazing panel of radio and YouTube personalities who are blind or low vision that attracted so many young people. I would really love to see something like that done and and maybe the technology committee will be the place to do that to kind of open up to the world of radio with internet radio being what it is and stars everyone it seems like who's in that 14 15 is making videos and, and creating content and to be a, a blinder low vision content creator i think is a goal for for a lot of kids just because being a content creator is the goal for a lot of kids and we're no different if someone has a vision impairment that doesn't change the fact that their goals and aspirations will be in all of these areas so there's more to do that I think we have started and certainly the area of advocacy comes up too a lot of times we recently had a call with Burnell College because one of our chapters had entered into an arrangement with some exchange post-secondary students who had come from Panama who wanted to speak about the accessibility and Bernal College actually solicited that chapter to say how can we make this more accessible for them you know what do we need beyond jobs like David said so lots of different little opportunities popping up we just want to grab everyone and make the most of it. Well, segueing a little bit into national, you and I belong to a family together, <laughs> the ACB media family, um, and you've stepped up to coordinate state conventions. What, um, what was your first experience with ACB media, or was it back when it was ACB radio, and, and how has your journey there morphed into what you're doing now? I think it was right at the time they were about to make the name change, or maybe they had already made the name change. I'm not really, I can't recall that, but my first experience was, I was the convention committee chair, and we had uh, entered into tentative arrangements with a hotel for a fall convention when COVID happened. So... One of our, I think it was our president, Alice Richard, heard on a call, on a president's call, or uh, when those had just started, but I may be wrong about that. In any case, she heard that there was an offer of help from ACB Media to help us put on a virtual, well, what is a virtual convention? First of all, only a handful of us had ever even been on a Zoom call. I mean, we all remember what it was like, March of 2020. 
Yeah. So we started two things. Our technology chair, Steve Longmire, started. We, we got a Zoom account for GCB and we started hosting weekly trainings. He would just come on and, and we would work on Zoom together and try to get better at it. And meanwhile, we were helped by ACB Media in November of 2020 um, by Rick Warren, Tyson Ernst, and at the time, Debbie Hazleton to pull off and create a, a convention. Actually, most of the activities of that convention were in webinar, which as we know is a little different from Zoom, but we did have some activities on our own Zoom account as well that were not streamed. And the idea of being streamed on the radio was just terrifying <laughs> to all of us, I think, but it, it came off, it went great. And it was after that, a few months after that, when this pandemic was continuing in state conventions, more of them were continuing to want to be streamed, that Tyson and Debbie reached out to me and said, no, would you like to do this? It wasn't until, and I did a few, I helped with a few. There's so many jobs that go into a convention for the affiliates that I did a few of those jobs. And then in October of last year, I really started in earnest helping and it's been so much fun. We've got a great team, including you and all the streamers couldn't do it without streamers and hosts, community hosts that Cindy brings along for the team. So it's really a team effort. And of course, the states you know, coming to us and working to make their conventions accessible to more of their members, because that's really what it's about. It's, if you aren't going to go on a Zoom call and or you can't be in person, as well as for convenience reasons, if it's on media, you know, you can dial into that with the media phone number and listen. There's yeah. no boundary. There's no barriers there. And that's what I really love about ACB media. You know, I remember before I, I became a part of ACB uh, early, early on in my journey, somebody had said to me, well, the NFB has Newsline and ACB has ACB radio. Um, so pick your passion, whichever, you know, whichever you're better at or whichever is more comfortable for you, that's how you're going to get your information. Um, I don't think it quite works that way. I think each, <laughs> you know, each offers their own, um, you know, the news line is the news line and, and ACB media is ACB media. However, you know, cross pollination, we get our information in many different ways. What when you're looking forward, and, and I know that ACB Media is working on a lot of things behind the scenes, what are you looking for ACB Media to, what areas are you looking for them to grow in? And where do you see opportunity? I am always hearing about individuals and affiliates, groups, committees, people who are interested in having a show. I feel like we could build out, and this may be a pipe dream. Jeff and Rick may call me and say, what are you talking about? We can't do that. But I don't think so, because they're pretty forward-thinking folks. We have, what, 10 streams now? Yep. So there's ample space to have more of programming going on that's not automation programming that's, you know, of course, we want to repeat on the same schedule that people are accustomed to, but there's still room for fresh new shows and content. If we can build the bench of people who are supporting the creation of that. And I've heard of some that I won't name because they may not be ready for rollout just yet, 
that want to have shows on ACB media. And I think they should, and they can, and that that content will be and an important next phase, along with, of course, continuing to support affiliates, our national convention and all the legislative and board meetings and all of the, all of the meat of ACB media, just with perhaps some more programming and more people, you know, involved in moderating all of that. So let's segue into national convention and I'm going to ride the big purple and, and white polka dotted elephant right into the middle of the room. You threw your hat into the election cycle this year. I was extremely glad to see every single candidate who stepped up. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, next year and, and in the years to come, we have even more folks that are brave enough to put themselves out there. Um, what, you know, it's been a month. Overall, what are your takeaways from the experience? How are you feeling about it all? And I have to say, you know, the numbers were, were pretty darn close. It was a great race. Um, and, and I think your response during general session the, the following day was so classy and so well done. A month after, you know, what are your, what, how are you looking back on it? It was, you know how when people don't get the Golden Globe, but they got nominated for best. It was an honor to be nominated, right? People say that. And it was. And it was fun running. And I'm looking forward to running again. I, you know, I appreciated all the support that I got. I appreciate the fine folks that are on the board, both the standing board members and the newest ones. And I look forward for the next two years to getting to know more people in ACB that I may potentially represent someday. So it was overall a very positive experience. Scary, but positive. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, when when all was said and done, I I feel like you got a lot of loving and wonderful support afterwards. Um, Would you would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. People were great. I was getting texts and calls and yes, I, I was glad. And the only thing I wish, I don't want to lose sight of no matter who you voted for in that election, in that race, we're all on the team of ACB now, and it turned out how it turned out. So let's definitely move forward together with the same inclusive spirit I was running on. Absolutely. What a, that, I'm, I'm applauding that. Absolutely. So overall, the entire, the hybrid, you know, the whole experience, what are you remembering? What, you know, what, what were your impressions of the first ever hybrid? Oh, the, the team did such <laughs> a wonderful, they did such a wonderful job. You know, it was, it was hard, I'm sure, with the tech and, you know, Rick and Larry and the team, Ryan, doing all of that. That couldn't have been easy, running from room to room during breakouts, trying to get four rooms up at the same time at, at times, running and going and, I guess I was surprised by certain things, like the fact that maybe some of the breakouts were perhaps I was in the room physically for some, and I was on media from my room for some, and I found that there were a lot of people online sometimes and not so many in the room. That surprised me. You know, know, I I have to say it surprised me too. Yeah. I I was facilitating a lot the first couple of days. BPI had decided to put all our offerings 
um, in the first three days for, for folks that may, you know, have wanted to come in person, but not stay the entire week. I'm not sure we're going to do that ever again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or, and if we do, it won't be the first three days because there were some technical glitches on, on everyone's end, on BPI's end, on, you know, the ACB team. And, but I really was very surprised at how many people were physically there, but entering through, through the zoom. Um, yeah. And then, you know, there were a couple of instances where folks came into the room who may have, I guess, had started listening on, on whatever device they were using, but then came into the room because they wanted to interact. So it was, for me, it was, it was a very odd, um, figuring out what everybody's doing while trying to figure out everything that I needed to do. It was, it was just really odd in that way, but odd in a good way. I I think it opens a lot of our eyes to the potential of what we can do for the coming years. And something I didn't really realize that's from an ACB media side, and I think I'm fine to say this, is that preliminary from the podcasting, what resulted from those small hybrid rooms for the breakouts where you were not heard unless you were on mic and it was mic'd into the Zoom room and they were mic'd in and we could hear them in the room, it created into some amazing quality of podcast materials that people are going to get the opportunity to receive in the coming. So that's a gift that keeps on giving, if you will, from the convention is all of the wonderful podcast opportunities, both virtual time beforehand and the in-person hybrid time. So what are some of the standout sessions for you? Oh, well, you know this because we've talked about it, but getting a chance (laughs) to hear Dr. Pam on several of the sessions, both the sessions on mental health and well-being that you were moderating, as well as one that was with another committee, it was a panel, and someone can remember what panel this was, but it had artists and, and Dr. Pam, and there were some others, so but it was, it was more of a, it was a diversity, equity, and inclusion panel. So I'm not sure what committee or affiliate put that IRC, on. I think that was IRC, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, I think so. So that was a standout for me just because of, I don't know, I, I picked up a few hits. I picked up some things about mental health care and how to take care of ourselves in that way, as well as amazing possibilities from the very beginning because the first session I went to was the board meeting which was I guess Friday the first that was the first in-person slash hybrid session I went to and from that very beginning we were hearing from President Dan Spoon about forming the ACB mental health and well-being committee and the amazing possibilities that are there to take care of the intersectionality between mental health and vision impairment. And I know you've had multiple Sunday editions about that, so I won't belabor it, but that was the big standout for me, uh, that and getting to know the International Relations Committee better. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, again, and, and of course, everyone knows that, that my guy was a big part of it, but I also loved that we, that we had all of the resolutions and a lot of the material translated into Spanish. And I'm yeah. hoping that in the years to come, you know, that flourishes into other languages and other areas of outreach that we can use the great things that we're doing in our community to find, you know, find more members who may feel alone out there who, you know, you said, uh, Gabriel said last week, he, he typed in blind and gay, you typed yeah. in your location and blind. 
you know, I kind of sort of did the same thing, you know, in my journey as well. I wonder how many folks that are, you know, in our community or, you know, experiencing what we're experiencing don't know we exist and don't know, you know, the great right. amount of offerings that we have. I wonder about, have you heard from anyone from the Sight and Sound Impaired Committee about how the convention was for them? Was it inclusive? Was it? Do we know? I, I heard that there were some issues with the devices, um, okay. some stuff okay. that they're going to look at for next year. But I think overall, they were understanding of this was the first year. There were going to be glitches. Unfortunately, a few more of the glitches happened to them than the rest of us. But okay. I, I do think that it was a very positive okay, these are the things that we need to look at for next year rather than you should have done this and it would have done, it would have been better if you did this. Um, sure, sure. Which is great. So I know you're going to be very busy in Georgia for a long time, but what else are you looking at on the horizon? Well, I will probably run for the board again. Awesome. Only because I still think I have something I could contribute and add and especially when the current set of board members have had you know x number of years between now and when i may run again they will have gelled they will have started some initiatives that that perhaps i can get on board with and help to continue that is on the horizon um i didn't get to give a shout out to my wonderful guide dog shadow <laughs> so I want to mention her. I hope we have a few more adventures together. She's only four, so God willing, we should. That is is on on the horizon. There's some leadership opportunities in my church that I'd like to take advantage of. So there's always something else, you know. And who knows, career wise, what may happen when I complete my blindness skills training with VR? I may be making a a career change so i won't say too much about that since i don't know yet if it's going to happen but that's certainly on the horizon as well so we're going to open it up to some questions or comments in a moment but with you know with all that you've you've accomplished up to this point what advice do you throw out there to folks that that are from similar situations to you and me who are you know young in this journey and but want want that feeling, want to be involved in advocacy, want to be involved in something bigger than themselves. From your perspective, what, uh, what advice do you have to give? Oh, I don't know if I would call it advice, but I would say things that have helped me are definitely don't give up and keep seeking what might be out there that could be a resource. If you hear of a resource, you lose nothing by trying to follow up on that, even if it doesn't pan out. And I would say also, don't be afraid to try things if you're invited. Most everything I've done has been because I was invited. So I guess maybe the message is to establish members of the blind and low vision community to invite people because I was invited to my first state convention uh, by one of my mentors. I was invited to statewide committee work and invite, you know, invited as part of ACB media. So when you're invited, go. I was invited to my first time at the Capitol and that was terrifying as well. But it's something I look forward to doing every election cycle and every, what is it called? 
cycle of bills that come up, there's always going to be something to advocate for. So go to, go to the Capitol with your group, your affiliate, if they're going and give it a try. You might like it. Yeah, and let's remind our, our leadership out there to extend those invitations. Often we get so caught up in in our, the things we need to do as a leader, and, and we're welcoming new members or, or members that have been around but haven't been very active. But, you know, it's very easy to forget that last step, that's that invitation. Like, hey, I, I can't wait to see you at, at our next meeting on blah, 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 or we're planning for our Leadership Week experience. So please, you know, look out for this email or, or yeah. Uh, one more question before we open it up to our members. You and I, the first time we met, which actually wasn't this convention, it was a while back, um, we had a conversation that I think I loved what you had to say. And I think um, a version of that would be awesome for you to repeat for, for our listeners. How about those folks who are young in the journey from wherever they're coming from? who are afraid that their skills and, and the way that they're interacting now might not be, uh, or might be looked upon by our ACB community. Like I'm not good enough with the cane, or, you know, I just started learning JAWS or, or my, my screen reader of choice, et cetera. I, I don't know that I'd really fit in. Well, I have no idea what I told you then, cause that's been a while, but <laughs> I know that I would say from my most recent journeys into being new at some of this after being a blind person for a decade, and now I'm learning new skills again, is that, well, first of all, I have to say the community has been great at my low moments. The And I, I mean, both the greater ACB community as well as the community phone calls, uh, because I was a host already and a facilitator of the ins and outs of coffee twice which for those of you who attended it who would kill me if I didn't say I have just finished a french roast cold brew with Italian sweet cream and peppermint syrup (laughs) (laughs) but I I had to say it I had to say it what was in your coffee today no but I think it doesn't matter where you are on your journey there's always a place for you and someone who can be there to just give you a word of encouragement. I mean, it's not about, oh, I'm not as good at this as that. Someone reminded me of that yesterday when I said something about, oh, but my Braille maybe has mistakes, what I wrote to you. You know what? Don't do that. Don't talk down to yourself. Yep. You have done what you could at your stage and you're learning. And even just, and see, that's what you said. Um, something along those lines. And even just by osmosis, by seeing the potentials, the possibilities, and and even at conventions, this you didn't say, but I, this is my addition to it, you know, even at conventions or local meetings, wherever it be, the greatest, you, you know, the Dan Spoons, the Deb Cook Lewises, they, we all make mistakes or we all have moments of frustration. So when you see, when you, you, know, when you experience that through osmosis, it gives a sense of, I'm getting there and I'm going to yeah. continue to get there. Okay. Yeah. All right, Sheila, let's uh, let's start taking some hands. All right, Margie. Margie, oh, congratulations and welcome back. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm feeling like a new mama with my new doggie and I'm kind of tired, but hey, Cecily, it was absolutely wonderful listening to you. Um, I think you're a wonderful dynamic young lady and um 
I, I do hope you will run again for the board. I didn't know you at the time you ran, but it was certainly good listening to you for the last almost hour. Couple of comments I want to make. Um, I heard a comment from you, Cecily, about oh, those who grew up in Braille are better Braille readers. Well, not necessarily true. I'm I, I come from a rehab teaching background and working with all newly blinded people because I worked with the Department of Veterans Affairs, and it is my firm belief that if everybody that learns Braille spends one hour a day reading Braille, you will become a very proficient Braille reader. Um. The other thing I want to say is um, I think ACB is a wonderful organization. I think our affiliates are wonderful. And I picked up on a few key things. Cicely, what I heard you say is we're invited. One key statement. And the other one was you were mentored. And I think those are big words and big suggestions for every affiliate, every chapter, every state within the organization. Um, I, I see frequently, you know, you see somebody new at a chapter meeting and the clicks go on and they're just sitting by themselves or even at a convention. So I want to invite all of our presidents throughout the organization to um, help by setting up a mentoring program and remember to invite our new people. And my final comment is, as, as wonderful as I think ACB is in our community calls, I, um, along with um, a, a colleague and friend of mine, Nellie Emerson, who worked for the California State Department of Rehabilitation as a counselor and a supervisor, and I ended up not only being a rehab teacher, but working with the Department of Veterans Affairs as the Visual Impairment Service Team Coordinator. Um, we, we, every Friday at 10 o'clock, hang on, I gotta shut my voice over off. Every Friday from 10 to 11 Pacific time, we host an a psychosocial adjustment to sight loss group. And we bring in our many years of experience professionally. And um, ACB has a lot of activity, a lot of ways to offer love and support. But for people losing their sight, I think that the psychosocial issues have to be addressed. So if anybody is interested and experiencing sight loss for the first time, or experiencing a significant loss, uh, you, you've been a high partial and you're experiencing significant loss, you can get a hold of Anthony through Sunday edition. And Anthony you, Anthony, you have my permission to give out my email and we welcome you to attend this group. Thank you. And thank That's you, Anthony, it's good thank to you. be back. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right, Sheila, who's up next? Jane. Hey there, Cecily, it was delicious to hear you. I want to talk about Braille a little bit too. And Margie, good luck with that new pup of yours. Um, thinking about Braille, I've been a Braille reader all my life. I'm now 75. Um, and I'm struggling with getting through, well, UEB is sort of okay, but getting through the... Um, uh, the course in order to become a proofreader has just kicked me right off my pedestal thinking, oh, I read real, really well. So I encourage people to read, read out loud to one another. Um, there's a quote, and 
it, it just says Braille is the only language, and they really should say code, but Braille is the only language that touches you back. And I think that's true. It gives you being in charge space. Um, um, and that's really important. Um, I hope that ACB can develop a, a program which will focus on the political issues that are so uh, real in today's world and um, how to get a hold of local representatives and federal and international ones as well, um, and where to read information about certain issues. Some of us have worked hard to get that information and there's never enough of it. You know. Anyway, I really appreciated this part of the program and I encourage you, Cecily, to just keep on keeping on. Thank you, Jane. Sure Thank thing. you, Jane. You know, before we take the next hand, I do, I, I kind of want to answer, Jane. I, I think we do a really good job during our leadership, you know, the months leading up to it during, of course, during that week. And I think that throughout the rest of the year, when, when we're thinking about advocacy, it would be great to go back to those podcasts, especially the trainings. Um, mm-hmm. I am a little bit um, I'm a little biased. bit over it. So biased. Thank you. Since, you know, I participated in them, but there's a lot of great information there, at least as a starting point. Um, and throughout the year, you know, we do have community calls and things, but always, you know, the best thing that you can do is go to the congressional listings and just type mm-hmm. in your district. And it will, it gives you not only your representatives, but it gives you a wealth of information about, the uh, you know the agencies that are in those uh, in those areas. So that's always a great place to start. Sheila, who's up next? Terry. Hey, Terry. Welcome. Hi, Anthony. Cecily, this is an over a long overdue message, but I want to congratulate you on working so well and so fairly on our election. It was, I think, probably the tightest one, certainly one of the top five tightest uh, outcomes that's in ACB history. (laughs) Um, And I'm so glad that so many people have gotten the opportunity to get to know you even better, especially through your work with ACB Media And so many people in Georgia have gotten to know you so well, and you've done so much good for so many people in uh, throughout the country. Actually, when it comes to media throughout the world, I think you've done a tremendous, tremendous, a lot of work. And I want to thank you for that personally. And I think that I've sat here and listened to, this past hour, actually both hours, but we're, we're only referring to this one right now. And I see where you and I um, amazingly have so much of our goals and our ideas are very, very much in common. Um, I have always maintained, for instance, that giving someone a little something to do when they're new is how you get them into an organization. Your, your membership development ideas, I think, are 
fabulous. Maybe some of them because I think they are too, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it just in general, I think you've done a great job with that. I think your idea with anyone, with young people learning Braille, um, I know had I not acquiesced eventually kicking and screaming when I was about a sophomore or junior in high school um, to learning Braille, um, I would not be where I am today. Um, sure. Though it's still not my, it's not, I won't say that it's my primary medium, but it certainly pays the bills these days <laughs> uh, because I am an alternate format and accessibility specialist for the Federal Communications Commission. And I would not have gotten that very lucrative position had it not been for my learning Braille back when I was in high school. Um, I still have vision that's close to 2200 with a full field, but it's a little less than it was. I'm a little bit older now. Um, but I really do want to see you continue on a national level in ACB, just like so many of our young people through the years have done. You know, I was always so proud and so pleased to have been a very small part of many of our today's leaders in ACB when they were young, much younger than you are now, actually. And I think that, uh, you know, people like Eric Bridges, uh, Rebecca Bridges, um, just so many people who came up through blind students, who came in as young adults, um, maybe left for a while with, you know, getting families off the ground and relate and careers and such. But you, I, I think the one other point that I really want to make is that I think it's very important. And I think our election pointed it out very strongly is that we are not two organizations, one of young and one of old. Exactly. We, we are a team and we need to work as a team. And with that, yeah. I would very much ask Anthony, for, if you haven't seen my email or phone number on 7 million different things, <laughs> please, <laughs> please I, I really am reaching out. I really, I don't have your contact information. Oh, we'll fix would, that. I, please do, because I really would like to talk to you on a number of issues, including one that on visibilities and within the next few weeks, I want to have the state affiliates that are having conventions between now and the end of the year. I want to give them a chance to highlight their conventions. And if Georgia is one of them, you are the first one in invited. Awesome. And with that, I thank you very much. You, I know you're going to go great places in ACB. And I'm not even 75 yet. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, you are ageless. Absolutely. Thank you. That was that was a beautiful, a beautiful message. And I'm and so glad. Anthony, that you came you've on, got sorry. about two minutes, sir. So, you know what? If we have a couple of hands, we'll stay for a few minutes. Once we go all stream, Cecily, I want to give you the opportunity. If there's anything you want to say to ACP as a whole, um, you can have some closing thoughts. Closing thoughts. Thank you for having me, Anthony, and thank you to the <laughs> listeners of Sunday Edition. It has been fun. 
I look forward to being on again with my class because there's even more we can all say and about uh, the convention. And thank you everyone for listening to my story. It has been great. I look forward to many great times getting to know more of you all. And like Terry, I feel like my email address information is getting out there pretty good to folks, but uh, for those who don't know how to contact me, anyone who wants to, Anthony can feel free to share that if they reach out to the Sunday edition email list. So thank you very much. Absolutely. You'll get that email address in the closing. I want to thank Sheila and Byron always. I want to thank David and Cecily. And I will be back next week with Kenneth Simeon and JP Morgan Fellows, as well as DKM First Timers. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to Sunday Edition on ACB Media. Stream One, that's American Council of the Blind Media, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Episodes drop every week at 1 p.m. on Sundays, and you can email us at Sunday Edition AC, all one word, Sunday Edition with the letters AC at gmail.com. Let's brunch again together next Sunday.